you're going to be able to take your Bible and follow along. We're going to spend some time in Luke's gospel as we look at the story of Christ's birth, and then we're going to switch back over to what uh, to Matthew chapter 1 as well and look at Matthew's gospel in the birth narrative of Christ. But what's interesting this morning, I'm going to go on a different path because we've been in a verse-by-verse Bible teaching in the book of Matthew since the beginning of the fall, and we're taking just a couple more weeks here of a break, and then in January we'll go back to Matthew. So this is an opportunity to actually focus on uh, more of a topical message today. Obviously Christmas comes up this coming Friday, I believe, and Thursday night is our Christmas Eve service, which will be a wonderful time. Please come with your friends and your family members and those who don't know the Lord because we're going to share the gospel. The whole service will take about an hour, no longer, and then we'll put you back in your car and head you home for your evening traditions and, and celebrations. But uh, uh, please be with us. I, I want to look, though, not just at the birth of our Lord this morning. I want us to look at three births or at least the stories that surround three different births in the Bible. And so, obviously, we just heard, uh, as Helen read for us, the wonderful story in Luke here, Luke 1.26. I want to read for you, if you will. You can turn there in your Bible, Luke 1.26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Now when it says the word engaged that does not mean what we think it means today. In that day it was a betrothal meaning that you were in always legally bound as husband and wife. The only difference in an engagement in that day was that there was no physical intimacy between the man and the woman. But other than the physical intimacy, you were man and wife. You were actually together. You could even divorce in the engagement, in the betrothal. So just so you have that picture, it really helps understand the narrative as we go forward. So here's what I want you to see. So far, Gabriel is coming to Mary, to the virgin, and he's going to speak to her. If you want to know the truth about this part of the story, Joseph's life up to this point in the story is ideal. Um, He's engaged, he's betrothed to a young virgin named Mary. By the way, ladies, girls, Mary was probably 15 years old in that ballpark. 15 years old and she's betrothed. Joseph is thinking he hit the gold, the gold mine because uh, beautiful young lady, she's a virgin. And I'll just throw another one in there. God thought pretty highly of Mary. Of all the women he could have chosen to bear the child who is the, the Jesus Christ, he chose Mary. So Joseph really has an ideal situation. Can I hear an amen from the men? Huh? Amen. All right. That was weak. One more time, man. Come on. Amen. Yeah, that's better. All right, whatever. <laughs> Verse 28, and coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one. This is the angel Gabriel. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at the statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, 
For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, capital S. And the, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived, also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Now, Elizabeth, her relative, was quite older, a lot older, okay? For nothing will be impossible with God. I love that. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting... The baby inside of Elizabeth leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, blessed is the fruit of your womb, and how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. So Mary was very excited after hearing from Gabriel, immediately went to visit her relative uh, uh, Elizabeth, who lived uh, about, uh, about a six-hour journey away. And uh, she stayed with Elizabeth for quite some time, spent time with her. And so finally, she decided it's time to go home. I need to go back and, oh, that's right, I need to share with Joseph that I'm pregnant. <laughs> so Joseph has been living in this ideal situation. What Joseph doesn't know is things are about to turn from an ideal to an ordeal. And so she shows up and uh, he sees her coming. Could you imagine the excitement having been separated for this time during the betrothal? She's coming down the pathway there and he sees her and he's wanting to run and greet her, but inside something catches him and he's like, uh, Mary's put on a few pounds. She looks just a little different. But he's still so excited and he's thinking, Boy, that Elizabeth must be a good cook, you know? And he keeps coming towards her. He wraps his arms around her. And now he's thinking, this is a round yon virgin. <laughs> Ray got it. Ray got it. Okay. And he's thinking, is she pregnant? Joseph is now in a full-blown blown ordeal. And now Joseph's thinking, because he knows that he's been faithful to the betrothal process, that you not have physical intimacy, he doesn't think that in the moment about his wife, obviously. And so he's thinking, this thing just went from an ideal to an ordeal. I'm getting a raw deal out of this thing. This is not right. And what would Joseph do? How would he respond to this? Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is Matthew's 
view or perspective on the birth of Christ. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. So earlier this year, uh, we experienced much of what Joseph must have experienced. We had more of an ideal situation as we were going through life normally. And all of a sudden, you know, nine months ago, there's this thing called COVID that shows up. And pretty much everybody's life went from an ideal situation to an ordeal. All of our nation, the world, has been in an ordeal. America has been hit very hard with this ordeal, to the point that some of us might even think we've gotten a raw deal out of this COVID mess. Well, guess what? Joseph can relate to the raw deal because he's now in a situation with a, with a betrothed wife who's pregnant. Verse 19 gives us a picture of just how uh, much of an ordeal it is for Joseph. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace, disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. So Joseph is embarrassed by this, this, this experience. He is not wanting her to face embarrassment and shame for the fact that she committed adultery. So he's wanting to put her away, quietly, where nobody knows. Joseph was considering divorce, which in the betrothal period was acceptable, legal. Joseph is really struggling with this. Uh, but as he considered these things, verse 20, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I'm sure she told him that, but... What guy's going to believe it? And don't fault the guy for not believing it when she's talking about it. She's pregnant. I didn't do it. What's going on here? Until the angel comes to Joseph and lets him in on what happened. She will bear a son and you shall name, call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the birth story of Jesus Christ. It is a great story for many reasons. The greatest reason is that this, that God would send the Son of God to the sons of men because the sons of men were filled with sin. And the Son of God became the Son of men in, or the Son of Man in order that the sons of men might become the sons of God. That God came to earth to pay the price before Almighty God the Father for the sins that mankind had committed. 
so that man would have a way through a substitutionary atonement, they would have a way to be forgiven by God the Father. In order for God the Father to forgive man of his sins, somebody had to pay the price for sin. Jesus, the Son of God, paid the full price on the cross. He paid the full price. The anger and the wrath of God was poured out on him so that we could receive salvation through our Lord. Amen? So when it says God is with us, Emmanuel, it means it. And he is our Savior. This is a great story. But Christmas is also about Joseph's character. And I want to focus on that for a moment. He, he gets the news that his wife is unknowingly pregnant, and the ideal turns into the ordeal. And what do I do in this situation? He, he made a choice. But thank the Lord, he waited in making that choice until the Lord had spoken to him. Sometimes we go from a good situation to a difficult situation, and we immediately knee-jerk, we react to the bad situation, and we make quick decisions. And we oftentimes make wrong decisions when we do that, as opposed to coming into a bad thing and waiting on the Lord. How would you have me handle this? What would you have me to do? Joseph waited, he received from the angel the word, what was happening, and he went with what the Lord was up to. He took a bad situation, and he went from an ordeal that he felt like was a ripoff, you know, uh, a raw deal, and God gave him a new deal. I believe God is in the business of giving us new deals. I believe the fact that Christ came to the earth to die for our sins that we could never pay for is a pretty good deal. Amen? It's a new deal. Uh, interestingly, 1,200 years earlier than the time when Joseph was facing an ordeal, there was another ordeal. It happened 80 miles north of Nazareth in a town called Shiloh. So that you know what Shiloh is all about, Shiloh was the place where Israel would go and worship God. In Shiloh was the tabernacle. In the tabernacle was the Holy of Holies. In the Holy of Holies, you, you have the presence of God, the glory of God through the Ark of the Covenant that was there. All of this is in Shiloh. Shiloh is a very special place. It's a place for the worship of God. The male Hebrew men would come there once a year at least in order to worship God and offer sacrifice. Animal sacrifices were made in Shiloh. And interestingly, this is the place where God dwelt, where he lived among his people. However, at the time that this ordeal was taking place, 1,200 years before Joseph and Mary, Israel had been very much disobedient to God. They were in apostasy. They had fallen away. They were worshiping false gods, worshiping false idols. And so the presence of God was not with the people as it, he once was. Whenever that happens, God always has a plan. God is sovereign. He understands all. He, he, he has a plan through all. And so God himself 
brought a discipline to Israel. The discipline was in the form of the Philistine army that encamped around Shiloh. Eli was the priest at that time, but he was not being a good father to his own two sons who were also priests, Hophni and Phinehas. Those two boys were wicked to the core and they were making fun using the, the utensils and the equipment of God for their own personal gain. And so God sends the Philistine army. And so Israel goes to battle. In the battle, the ordeal turned into a raw deal for Eli's family. Because in battle, the two boys were killed, Hophni and Phinehas. Because of their disobedience to God, they died in the battle. Word came back to Eli that his sons were killed, and Eli fell backwards and broke his neck, and he died. To make matters worse, the Philistines came into the camp, routed the, the city, burned down the tabernacle, and captured, took the Ark of the Covenant, representing the glory of God. Well, Phinehas, one of the sons of Eli, had a wife, and at that time she was pregnant. She was not ready to deliver, but she was pregnant. But she was far enough along that when she got word that her husband, his brother, and the priest Eli were all, have all died, and she learned that the Ark of the Covenant had been taken by the Philistines, she began to weep and she fell to her knees and began to deliver her child prematurely. The midwives raced to her, they helped her, she delivered the boy, and the midwives knew she would not make it through the delivery process. So they asked her, what do you want to name the boy? Remember now, the angel told Joseph what to name the boy. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. But on that day, 1,200 years earlier, this woman who's about to die, giving birth to her son, knowing what had just happened with the Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle, her, her uh, priest Eli, her husband and his brother, she cried out and said, name him Ichabod, Kabod, the glory, Ich has departed. God's glory has been taken away. It's departed. It's gone. And then she died. She did something that I'm afraid and I fear coming into Christmas we are capable of doing. It's a mistake to do it. But I think oftentimes when we come into terrible ordeals, we quickly turn for the very thing we think we need when it's not what we need. And what she did was name her son Ichabod. She let the present name her future and his future. She let the present ordeal be his future. Ichabod, the glory has departed. I've watched many of you and I've watched and I've learned and I've read about people in America and yes, we are in a difficult time as a nation. No question about that. We see it all around us. We know that things are happening that are not good. 
We look at our nation, we see the cities that have been up in uh, upheaval uh, from going back into April and May. We see uh, these special interest groups who are pushing terms and words for the purpose of dividing the nation even more, weakening, weakening us to the point that they can come in and bring in a whole different concept of government. They'll use terms like systemic racism, Black Lives Matter. They'll talk about white privilege. And I'm not saying that those things to a degree don't exist. That there's, I know there's racism. I know there are people who live a very privileged life and aren't considering others. But it's not just white and it's not just older. It can also be in the entitlement of the young that can divide a nation. But these things are on us, and these are ordeals that have a way of changing how we think and what we do. And on top of it all, we've got a cloud called COVID that's hanging over us, that changes the way we live. Some people wonder if we'll ever go back to life as we once knew it. And what happens is it's easy in that situation to let the present be the future. We allow the present to be our future. We go from being these faith forecasters who trust God spiritually for the future of our personal lives, our families, our church, and our nation. We go into this, we go into this from faith forecasting to being a doubt pusher, where all we can see is the negative, all we can see is the upheaval, all we can see is the ordeal. And for some, it's become a raw deal. I'm in a terrible situation because of this. And yes, there are raw deals in it. Many people have lost lives because of COVID. I'm not ignoring any of that. I'm just saying that everything I just described to you that can create an ordeal and has created an ordeal in America, everything I've described is outside of you. It does not bear your name. It's a situation that you've come into that's around you, but your name should never leave you. You are God's people. You don't want to be known by the name Ichabod. The Spirit of God has departed from me. You want to be known by Emmanuel. God is with me, and quite honestly, He's in me. Even in the midst of COVID, God is there. Remember as kids learning the story of the little chicken, chicken little, crying out, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. He was on the barnyard, you know, all the other animals, and of course a bird flies over, drops a seed, hits him on his thick skull, and he thinks the sky is falling, and he announces it, and everybody's in an upheaval. Nobody knows what to do. The sky's falling. Well, not all the animals, but a lot were following his leadership. I fear that today we have chicken littles. Think about this. You are created to be an eagle, to soar high on the wings of God. God himself giving you your lift. God himself giving you awareness, keenness of understanding to walk through whatever, fa whatever faces you. And yet we end up on the ground, we can't fly, and we're chicken little looking up, trying to figure out what to make out of it. And all we can see is negative, so therefore the sky is falling. 
no chicken little. It was a seed that fell to the ground, an acorn. And when the acorn fell to the ground, it found root and began to grow as a tree and ultimately provided shade for all the barn animals. Something beautiful came out of something that was a, appeared to be very negative. I use a simple childhood story to share something that maybe every one of us need to hear. We're easily led by the media, led by the news, led by this and that to believe nothing but the worst. And I'm telling you, are you serious that God can't handle this? That God has somehow departed from you and now, oh, there's no hope because we, ah, 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 ah. are you kidding? God is in you. Even in this day, God is in you if you're saved. And you have a hope and you have a future, the Bible says. The author, the finisher of your faith has not left you. It was Abraham in Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 17, if you want to turn there. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 4, verse 17. You know the story. Abraham is now 100 years old. He's walking down the street with a big smile on his face. He's giving one of those things where you jump up in the air and you click your feet, which I cannot do. <laughs> there was a day I could do that, but not anymore. I wouldn't even attempt it, okay? Uh, uh, there we go, okay, holding on to this. Um, he's 100 years old. This guy is excited. Somebody walks up, what are you so excited about? You're an old man. I'm going to have a baby. What? How old are you? A hundred. How old's your wife? You must have a young wife to have a baby. She's 90. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. Have you already had kids? No, never. She's barren. I'm impotent. But we're excited. We're going to have a baby. Now, you and I in that situation would look at Abraham and say, this man is nuts. He has lost his marbles. But Abraham went right on. You know why? Romans 4, 17 records why. It says this, I have made you the father of many nations. How could a guy who's never had a baby be the father of many nations? Listen, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, whom, who gives life to the dead, and look at this, calls into existence the things that do not exist. That is your God. He calls into existence the things that do not exist. And if you as a believer, as a child of God, as a follower of Christ, who was saved by grace through faith, somehow allows the situations, the ordeals, the raw deals that come up in life to steal away the faith that it takes to trust God. You'll never see the future that God has for you. You're actually robbing yourself of your future. You're robbing your children. Think about our kids right now growing up in our homes. I'm talking about the small kids who are right now, most of them are over in the room behind us. They're watching us as we face these ordeals. What are they learning? Are they learning to trust God that God has everything under control? Or are they somehow now beginning 
as a child to worry and fret and forget that God is a God who can take anything and bring it into existence that he chooses and that he has a plan and he has a future and he has a hope for you and I and he does so we go back to the Christmas story and it was God who sent his son and Joseph waited long enough to learn and understand what God was up to and Joseph went with God's plan have you even come to understand God's plan for you? Some of you might say, well, no, I have, not, I have no clue what God's plan is. You shouldn't say that. But God's plan for you is that you be faithful and obedient to Him. God's plan is that we would stay in this in the midst of the ordeal we're facing. Live in it. Trust it. Walk in it. Even though it doesn't exist yet, what we want to see, God has something he wants to bring. I believe that. Don't you? I don't believe that this is a situation where you and I have to allow the external things to rule our hearts. We are still in a situation where God's spirit lives in us and he will rule us in the midst of this mess. That's the message to me this Christmas. That is the message. Jesus was born into a mess. It couldn't have been worse. The Roman occupation. Then you have the Jews who hated him. You had Herod who wanted him killed when he was a baby. Jesus came at the worst time. Is that not a message for us? God can handle messes. He can handle your mess. Maybe it's a mess that you've created. You're the reason why you're in a mess. Maybe it's the mess of COVID. You didn't ask for it, but it's here. And it's, in, it's around you. <laughs> it's been in some of you. Uh, but that doesn't mean you have to live in that world. God still has control. God still has a plan. And he still has a future for you. The beauty of the Christmas story is that God is with us and as things went forward and Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected and he ascended to heaven, he then sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. If you're a believer, he's in you. God, in you, in the midst of the mess. If the Christmas story does anything for us today, it should remind us that God specializes in messes. He can handle my mess. The biggest mess that we could be in is to be living in our sins and not have the absolute assurance of our salvation. I don't care what you want to look at today in the world or in this country. I don't care what scenario you want to give me out of your own life story. There is no worse mess that you are facing than being a sinner without God. That is the absolute worst mess that anybody could handle. Far worse than a virus, believe me. If that's you, God can handle that mess. That's the whole reason he sent Jesus, the Son of God, to the sons of men, so that the Son of God 
who became the Son of Man could release the sons of men from their sin-sick disease and they could become the sons of God. What a great story. Amen? I want you to stand with me. We're going to pray. And I'm going to invite you to just open your heart by faith, the same way that Abraham knew that he was going to have a son. And God did, in fact, fulfill that promise. God's not in the habit of breaking promises. He is faithful and true. We might not be able to trust the election system of our country right now for whatever reason. We might not even trust the Supreme Court of the United States, and we understand why, because they're, they're human beings. They're capable of making mistakes. Our God is not a human. Our God is God. He is infinite. He has, he's, uh, in, he lives in infinity. He has never made a mistake. Within him, there's no shadow of turning. There's never been a variance. He's never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is our Alpha and our Omega, the beginning and the end. He's everything. He's never messed up. And if you will come to him by the same faith that Moses believed God for a child, and by the way, because of that, God credited to Moses righteousness, and he was saved even before Christ came to the earth. God will save you as well. If you'll simply, by the faith, listen now, by the faith that you possess, you say, how do, I, how do you know I possess faith? I've done such terrible things. Because the Bible says that God's given a measure of faith to every human being. You say, how big's the measure? Big enough to save you if you'll trust Him. If you'll take right now the faith that God has provided you and you'll put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ, God with us, He will come into you he will take up residence in you. If you confess that you're a sinner, God will save you from your sin. You can do that where you are right now. It's not even a prayer. It's just you acknowledging, I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe the Christmas story. I believe what Gabriel said to Mary. I believe what the angel said to Joseph. I believe He will save His people from their sins, and I'm one of those people that needs to be saved. Father, save me. I believe in You. In that twinkling of an eye that it takes for you to come to that point of decision, listen, you are saved. You become a child of God. You now are born again, not of the flesh, but of the Spirit. You now have life with God. He now resides in you, and He will be in you no matter what ordeal you face going forward. You don't have to let the present name your future because God's in you. He already has your future. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for loving us so deeply that you became flesh and blood and dwelt among us. And that you fulfilled the promise that was spoken in the Old Testament about the Messiah. That you would come and you would set your people free. Oh, to be free from sin is the greatest freedom and liberty that any human being could ever have. We are thankful, those of us who have received it, and those who now are just acknowledging 
and they are responding to you, Father, by faith. We thank you that the promise is for them as well, that they can be set free. And we give you glory and honor. May the Christmas message go with us this week that in spite of the ordeals, I can still be a faith forecaster as I trust God. I don't have to become a chicken little. I don't have to be a doubt pusher. Lord, I pray that as a church, we will go into a new year as faith forecasters, believing that, God, you have a plan, even using a mess in our lives. You will use it for your glory, and good things will come, things that will honor your name and bring glory to the Father in heaven. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. I want to invite our, our, our prayer partners to come, if they would, and just stand up front. They have masks on, so those of you with masks don't have to fear. Uh, but if you want to talk to someone, they'll spread out a little bit for you so you're alone. There's privacy. If you have any need in your life that you need prayer for, please come and, and see them. If you just received, listen, if you just received Jesus Christ as your Savior today, we have on the back a table and we have a little something to give you that you can take with you in a little bag. And we just want to be able to know who you are, that we can follow up and celebrate the victory that you just had in Christ. Okay, so please go to the back after and receive uh, this special bag that has a gift in it for you. And uh, also, let's just not forget to acknowledge the boys from Teen Challenge. They're here every week. We're thankful to have them. Amen. And also... Uh, today is a special day for many of them because their moms and their dads uh, are here with them. So we're thankful to have those families that are here because of your son. And, uh, and we hope that you've been uh, nourished today by the Word of God and that you find sweet fellowship as you leave today talking to people. We're glad you're here. You can tune in. Some of you already do a live stream every Sunday morning if you don't have a place to worship but honestly, we hope that you'll find a church home somewhere, wherever you live, and then uh, be part of a fellowship, all right? God bless each of you. Let's respond. Let's move back towards the back so that they, they, those who need to come forward and pray can do that in more of a private setting, okay? God bless you.